which hematologic malignancy, characterized by Reed-Sternberg cells, classically presents with painless lymphadenopathy that may become painful with alcohol consumption? The answer to this question is Hodgkin lymphoma. The Reed-Sternberg cells are large bilobed cells with two or more nuclei giving them the appearance of owl eyes under the microscope. These distinct appearing cells are responsible for the pathogenesis of Hodgkin lymphoma through evasion of apoptosis and maintenance of an intense inflammatory background infiltrate, which manifests as lymphadenopathy. The mechanism of pain at sites of Hodgkin lymphoma in a setting of alcohol consumption is unfortunately unknown. Today, our patient has Hodgkin lymphoma, and you are the doctor. Welcome to The Internet Work, a podcast written by medical residents meant to serve you better on the wards and on call. Today's episode is titled Lumps and Bumps, Approach to Lymphadenopathy with a Focus on Hodgkin Lymphoma. Time for a minute physiology. Lymphocytes are white blood cells tasked with innate and adaptive immune response against invading pathogens. Lymphocytes are subcategorized into B cells, T cells, and natural killer cells, or NK cells. All of these cells move freely between the bloodstream, organs, and tissues, as well as the lymphatic system, whilst carrying out immune surveillance and defense. Lymphomas are cancers derived from cells that would, under normal conditions, develop into mature lymphocytes, while non-Hodgkin lymphomas may arise from any stage of the B-cell, T-cell, or NK-cell lineage, Hodgkin lymphomas arise from malignant Reed-Sternberg cells, which always originate from B-cells. Infection with Epstein-Barr virus, or EBV, is associated with an increased risk of Hodgkin lymphoma, as researchers have noted that expression of certain EBV genes has an anti-apoptotic effect within tumor cells. Other risk factors for the disease include a family history of Hodgkin lymphoma, HIV, and immunosuppression. Given that positive family history is a risk factor, there is a suggestion that there may be a genetic predisposition to Hodgkin lymphoma or a common environmental trigger. Immunosuppression, for instance, from HIV, treatment of post-organ transplant, or for treatment of autoimmune conditions, generally results in increased rates of infections, including EBV, as well as an impaired cell-mediated host immune response against B cells that exhibit malignant transformations. Hodgkin lymphoma is the most common cancer in young adults between 20 and 44 years of age. There is a bimodal age distribution with the first peak occurring in 15 to 30 year olds and the second one after 50 years of age. Males are affected slightly more often than females with a ratio of 1.3 to 1. In terms of classification, Hodgkin lymphoma is divided into the classical type and nodular lymphocyte predominant type. Classical Hodgkin lymphoma represents 95% of all Hodgkin lymphoma cases and is histologically subdivided into nodular sclerosis, which is the most common type, mixed cellularity, lymphocyte-rich, and lymphocyte-depleted. Although these subtypes vary in presentation, epidemiology, and association with EBV, management is similar across them. All right, so now that we've talked about the basic physiology, let's talk about the approach. 
When approaching a patient with lymphadenopathy, think of the mnemonic Chicago. C is for cancers such as lymphoma, leukemia, and metastatic carcinoma. H is for hypersensitivity reactions such as drug reaction and serum sickness. I is for infections with viruses such as EBV, CMV, or HIV. Bacterial infections, for instance, with Bartonella hensley, Staphylococci, and Streptococci. Fungal infections, such as histoplasmosis and coccidiomycosis, and TB. C is for connective tissue diseases, such as SLE, rheumatoid arthritis, or Sjogren's disease. A for atypical lymphoproliferative disorders, such as Castleman disease. G for granulomatous diseases, such as sarcoidosis, silicosis, and borreliosis. And O is for other unusual causes, such as histiocytic necrotizing lymphadenitis. So, you're armed with your differential diagnosis. Now, let's proceed with obtaining a history and physical examination from your patient. As always, begin with ensuring your patient's stability. Occasionally, lymphadenopathy may be massive, causing life-threatening emergencies such as airway compromise or superior vena cava obstruction. Always remember to assess the patient's ABCs and vital signs prior to proceeding. Once you've determined that your patient is stable, you can now move forward with your assessment. On history, elicit the location of lymphadenopathy noted by the patient, as well as the setting in which it occurred. Acute onset following trauma or a bite would suggest a reactive process, whereas subacute onset of non-traumatic, painless, and progressive lymphadenopathy would point more towards malignancy. Whereas subacute onset of non-traumatic, painless, and progressive lymphadenopathy would point more toward malignancy. Ask about the duration of symptoms, as any unexplained lymphadenopathy that does not resolve over a four-week period is concerning for more serious etiologies. Remember to ask about associated symptoms, such as B symptoms, for instance, unexplained fevers, night sweats, and weight loss, paritis, rashes, arthralgias, dyspnea, cough, and any focal changes, such as a new breast mass. Also, elicit a medication history, including any vaccinations to exclude drug reactions and serum sickness. Ask about travel history and risk factors for TB. Lastly, explore risk factors for Hodgkin lymphoma, including a family history of Hodgkin lymphoma, personal history of EBV, HIV or risk factors for HIV, autoimmune conditions or prior organ transplants or risk of immunosuppression. About 80% of patients with Hodgkin lymphoma will present with painless lymphadenopathy, which is frequently cervical or supraclavicular in nature, and typically spreads in a contiguous fashion from one lymph node to the next. About 50% of patients will also have a mediastinal mass, which may be asymptomatic, and another 30% will have B symptoms. Other symptoms commonly associated with Hodgkin lymphoma include fatigue, generalized pruritus, alcohol-induced pain in the involved lymph node region, early satiety due to splenomegaly, and dyspnea and cough, which may occur from airway compression by a mediastinal mass. The physical exam should include a complete examination of the lymphatic system, including all lymph node groups bilaterally, the oropharynx for adenopathy and Waldeyer's ring, and the spleen. Determine the location, size, and mobility of the involved lymph nodes. Nodes that are greater than 2 centimeters, hard, and fixed are the ones that we're concerned about for malignancy. 
Also, perform a complete head-to-toe exam, since liver, lung, bone, and bone marrow are other common sites for extranodal disease in patients with Hodgkin lymphoma. For localized lymphadenopathy, remember to examine the anatomic region drained by the effective lymph nodes for signs of infection or malignancy. Now, on to our workup. Obvious benign causes, such as cat scratch disease, do not require any further investigations. However, if you determine that there is an intermediate to high pretest probability of a serious cause of your patient's lymphadenopathy, then you should proceed with a stepwise evaluation process. First, start with your basic labs. A CBC with differential may show leukocytosis in cases of infection or malignancy, atypical lymphocytosis in infectious mononucleosis, possible cytopenias in connective tissue disease, eosinophilia in hypersensitivity states, and blasts in acute leukemias. An elevated uric acid secondary to increased cell turnover is often seen with hematologic malignancies. Also, remember to order extended electrolytes to assess for hypercalcemia, which is often associated with lymphomas. Lymphoma cells produce activated vitamin D, or calcitriol, which leads to increased intestinal calcium absorption as the most common mechanism of hypercalcemia. Furthermore, uric acid and extended electrolytes are necessary for the assessment of laboratory tumor lysis syndrome. Blood cultures and serologic studies are useful when there is a high suspicion of specific infections such as cellulitis, EBV, or HIV. An autoimmune workup should be considered for patients with lymphadenopathy and concomitant rheumatologic symptoms. An ACE level may be ordered in patients suspected of having sarcoidosis. However, keep in mind that the specificity of the ACE level is highly variable and the sensitivity increases with the stage of disease. A peripheral flow cytometry will identify if there is a clonal population of leukocytes suggestive of lymphoma or leukemia. Other additional blood work for Hodgkin lymphoma includes the following tests. ESR and albumin, which are necessary for risk stratification, creatinine, liver function tests, liver enzymes, and LDH, which are all required for the assessment of organ function prior to chemotherapy. A pregnancy test should always be completed in females of childbearing potential. And hepatitis B and HIV serology should be completed, as positive serology may have treatment implications. In terms of imaging, chest x-ray is indicated when evaluating for a mediastinal mass in suspected lymphoma or sarcoidosis. A PET or CT scan of the neck, chest, abdomen, and pelvis is necessary for the purposes of staging lymphomas. If a PET or CT scan is not available, then contrast CT may be used instead. Generally, this does not need to be done urgently overnight. A bone marrow biopsy is required only if there are B symptoms, concern for advanced stage of disease, or cytopenias. Lastly, any unexplained lymphadenopathy lasting more than one month and any lymphadenopathy with multiple high-risk features usually requires a biopsy. The gold standard is an excisional biopsy of the involved lymph node. However, it usually requires a general surgeon to perform this in an operating room, which is a time-consuming process. A reasonable alternative is to organize core lymph node biopsies through the interventional radiology department. Avoid fine needle aspirations as they produce tissue samples which are inadequate for analysis of nodal architecture and flow cytometry.
Our treatment today is going to focus on treatment for Hodgkin lymphoma. Combination chemotherapy constitutes the mainstay of Hodgkin lymphoma treatment in the modern era. The most commonly used chemotherapy regimen for both limited and advanced stage Hodgkin lymphoma is ABVD, which is composed of adriamycin, which is the brand name for doxorubicin, bleomycin, vincristine, and decarbazine. Patients with limited stage disease generally receive fewer cycles of chemotherapy as compared to those in advanced stages. However, the use of PET scanning has revolutionized Hodgkin lymphoma treatment of all stages in the recent years. Nowadays, PET is often used as part of a response-adapted therapy, where clinicians are able to assess patient response after a few initial cycles of chemotherapy, and then modify treatment in ways that maximize curability and minimize toxicities. Radiation therapy used to be a major component of Hodgkin lymphoma treatment, but unfortunately often resulted in long-term toxicities, such as increased rates of lung and breast cancers, as well as cardiovascular complications post-mediastinal radiation. Over the years, the dose and extent of radiation therapy used in Hodgkin lymphoma has decreased dramatically. Now, thanks to advanced imaging modalities and effective second-line chemotherapeutic regimes, it is possible to avoid radiation therapy altogether in select patients with limited-stage disease. Relapsed or refractory Hodgkin lymphoma is treated with salvage chemotherapy, followed by an autologous stem cell transplant. There is no standard salvage chemotherapy regimen. Commonly used protocols include GDP, which stands for gemcitopine, cisplatin, and dexamethasone, ICE, which stands for iphosphamide, carboplatin, and atopicide, and DHAP, which stands for dexamethasone, cisplatin, and citerabine, to name a few. Treatment options for patients who relapse after an autologous stem cell transplant are individualized and may include an anti-CD30 antibody called rituximab-vedotin, immune checkpoint inhibitors such as nivolumab and pembrolizumab, radiation therapy, allogenic stem cell transplant, adaptive T-cell therapy, clinical trials, or palliative chemotherapy. Time for a medicine minute. Did you know Hodgkin lymphoma is the most curable hematologic malignancy? Patients with limited stage disease have an overall survival exceeding 90%, whereas those with advanced stage can expect a survival between 75 and 90%. Thank you for listening to today's episode entitled Lumps and Bumps, Approach to Lymphadenopathy with a Focus on Hodgkin Lymphoma. This episode was written by Dr. Oksana Motalo, internal medicine resident, and reviewed by Dr. Kylie Lepic, malignant hematologist, and Dr. John Neary, general internist. This episode was recorded and produced by Allison Lai. The Internet Work series was created by Allison Lai. Executive producers include Dr. Zara Morali and Dr. Leah Karianopoulos. Music production by Dr. Lakshman Vizantha Mohan. As always, we have an associate infographic at www.theinternetwork.com. If you like this episode, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Internet Work, and we hope to see you again soon.